Hey, it's Amy Newmark. Please enjoy this rerun of one of my favorite episodes from last year. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark with your Chicken Soup for the Soul. You know, we get thousands of Chicken Soup for the Soul stories that focus on happiness, how to find it and how to keep it. Here are six ways that you could find your happiness from six of the 101 stories in Chicken Soup for the Soul, your 10 keys to happiness. So first way, count your blessings to make every day a good day. It's amazing how powerful the active practice of gratitude can be for focusing us on what's good in our lives. Joan Donnelly Emery learned this when she was diagnosed with lymphoma the same day her husband Alan lost his job. Her husband had the right attitude, though. He said, someday in the future, we're going to write about today and we'll call it worst day ever. They both went right to work solving their problems. Alan would eventually find a new, even better job, and Joan would successfully navigate her cancer treatment. As the one-year anniversary of their worst day ever approached, Joan and Alan decided they should commemorate the day with a fun trip to Las Vegas. They have continued to celebrate March 19th every year since then, with trips to Savannah, Destin, and even Dublin, Ireland on the 10-year anniversary. Joan says, each year we raise a glass and toast that awful day and all the days since which we survive solely because of a bounty of blessings. Joan says the greatest blessing of all is that celebrating the worst day ever has stripped away all the trivial stuff and shown a bright spotlight on all the important things like faith, family, perseverance, love, and health. She said they don't take any of those things for granted and they feel blessed to have them in abundance. All right, here's your second key to happiness. Use the power of forgiveness to eliminate unnecessary heartache. So Nancy Beach and her husband were throwing a New Year's Eve party and Nancy spent days preparing for it. She was nervous about the party and especially nervous that she'd end up hosting it alone if her husband came home late from work. Well, that's exactly what happened. Her husband didn't make it home until almost midnight. So Nancy had to handle everything by herself. She was miserable, hiding her tears from her guests. She was so angry at her husband until he explained that he and all his colleagues had to stay late to do physical inventory before midnight, all because of an employee who had miscounted and mislabeled parts. Nancy suddenly had an epiphany. She says, I realized what the night had been like for my husband. Up until that point, I'd been far too worked up to see his side. All I knew was that he wasn't home. But he was taking a lot of heat at work. He wanted to be at the party. Nancy chose to forgive him, and she realized that most of her misery that night had been her own doing. She says, I resolved to be more patient, understanding, and forgiving in the coming year. Now, we talk a lot at Chicken Soup for the Soul about what I call pre-forgiveness. That's when you don't allow yourself to get angry and resentful until you know all the facts. Nancy learned that night 
that if she had not immediately jumped to the conclusion that her husband was in the wrong, she would have had a much better evening. Most of the time, if we practice pre-forgiveness first and stop anger in its tracks, we'll discover there is a good reason, or at least an understandable reason, for the other person's behavior. All right, here's our third key to happiness. Follow that impulse to reach out and help someone. Do you ever think, I should call her, or I should write that sympathy note, or I should drop off some food, and then you decide that you would be interfering, or you just get busy, and you don't do that nice thing that you thought about doing? Well, Nancy Kennedy might have been like that too, except that she was influenced by a writer named Deirdre Sullivan, who she heard on NPR one day. Deirdre read her essay called Always Go to the Funeral. And she talked about how her father made her go to a friend's funeral when she was a teenager, even though she really didn't want to go. He said, you're going. Always go to the funeral. Do it for the family. Nancy thought about it, and she realized she didn't like funerals or any of those difficult interactions either. But then her best friend died, and Nancy forced herself to go to the funeral, and it was so worth it. She realized she wanted to be the person who always goes to the funeral. She says, it's not just about going to funerals. Nancy says, to me, always go to the funeral means doing the thing you didn't want to do when that inner voice nudges you to act. Do it when you'd rather queue up another show on Netflix. Do it when you'd rather scroll through your Facebook feed. Do it when you'd rather do nothing at all. Always write the note. Always make the phone call. Always extend a kind word. Always offer up a listening ear. Always be a friend. All right, here is our fourth way to happiness. And this is based on the concept that you should get rid of all that excess stuff. So I call this one, keep your memories in your head, not in your stuff. So we all know that one of the keys to happiness is to declutter our lives. All that stuff we have just weighs us down, and it's liberating to donate or throw away all those excess possessions. I picked up a great way of thinking about that from a story by Amelia Hollingsworth, who tells us that she was trying to pack all her family's things from their large four-bedroom house because they were moving to a smaller house in another state, and there wouldn't be room for everything. Amelia was having trouble giving up some of her favorite furniture. After all, this was where her children had made so many memories. But then her mother pointed out something very insightful. She said, Amy, honey, you will always have those memories, whether the stuff comes with you to your new house or not. And you don't have to worry about losing the memories when you leave your stuff behind. Those you take with you, and you don't even have to worry about boxing them up. And of course, she was right. Your memories are perfectly fine stored in your mind. That's what I always tell my husband when I'm trying to get him to stop saving so much stuff. Amelia reports, We've been very happy in our new home, half the size of our old one. We have half as much stuff as we did before. We don't miss it, and we have not lost the happy memories of our old home. Those came with us, and they were the only things we never had to box up or unpack. All right, here's my fifth way to happiness. Use your positive thinking and view every failure as a step toward success. 
So our next story is from a guy you may have seen on the Weather Channel or CBS or NBC. He's Nick Walker, popularly known as the Weather Dude. But being a weatherman, or more formally a meteorologist, was not his original intention. In Nick's story, he takes us through a history of forced assignments, rejection letters, and career disappointments. And looking back, he realizes that every rejection or disappointment created an even better opportunity as long as he was willing to go with the flow and see where the TV business took him. One day when he was cleaning out a closet, he found a big stash of rejection letters from the early days of his career, and he says, each of those letters represented a path not taken, not because I didn't want to take it or didn't try to take it, but because someone else had decided that for me. It was a reminder that my future is not totally in my control. I am not the master of my own fate. He says that, in fact, those closed doors, even the ones that slammed in his face, all guided him as much as open doors did. Even though in the early years of his career, he was rejected for TV jobs in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Greenville, South Carolina, and Jacksonville, Florida, he didn't know that two years later, he would get a job in a much bigger TV market in the Pacific Northwest. He didn't know that 20 years later, he would be laid off from what he thought was a great job and then get a job at a national network. He looks back now and realizes that even though he couldn't control those events, they led to much better results than he had even hoped for. I guess it's a bit like going sailing and letting the wind take you where it wants instead of where you thought you wanted to go, and then discovering a beautiful cove you would never have found otherwise. Nick says, life is most productive when you make the most of the path you're on, not when you fret about what the other paths might have held. His advice to himself? Stop trying to be in control. Don't dwell on what might be on the other side of that closed door. Continue to make the most of every open door. And finally, here's my sixth way to happiness. Live in the moment and enjoy the journey. Let's talk about living in the moment. And we're going to learn about this from a dog in this story. Lauren Mosher learned how to do this from her beagle when she took her for her first walk after adopting her from a shelter. This poor dog, Georgie, had spent her first six years in a cage. So she wanted to explore everything. She inspected the grass, the dirt, the trees, licked whatever was stuck to the road. These were all new discoveries for her, and she took her time studying them. Lauren decided that she would let Georgie take her time, and that she, the human, would fill her time by texting on her cell phone. She needed to do something while the dog was slowing them down. Lauren says, then for some reason, I heard the cicadas and I remembered that the sound of cicadas is my favorite sound in the world. That awakened something buried within me that yearned for the simple pleasures that had been replaced by technology. I made a conscious decision to be present and to enjoy the journey to the river, just like Georgie. The journey was just as wonderful as the final destination would be, and it took that little beagle to remind me. I'm Amy Newmark. Thanks for listening to these stories from Chicken Soup for the Soul, your 10 keys to happiness. You can go to our website, chickensoup.com, and click on the podcast button to read more about this book and all the topics it covers, and you'll find it wherever books are sold, including Amazon. 
If you want to read stories from this book and our other new collections, just sign up for our daily newsletter and you'll get a free story in your email every day. You can do that on chickensoup.com by clicking on the newsletter sign up option. And please come back for our next episode to hear a couple of stories from Chicken Soup for the Soul, Attitude of Gratitude. Our topic will be, what if you didn't have everything that you have? Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.